Hi, my name is Mike Herbster. I'm privileged to be the director of Southland Christian Camp Ministries. For over 25 years, Southland has centered itself around the ministry of preaching. We believe that God uses the foolishness of preaching to convict hearts and transform lives. Our prayer is that today's sermon would push you to become more like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As you listen, would you carefully evaluate your life in light of God's Word and take the appropriate action to grow in your walk with Him? We hope that you will enjoy today's message. Ezekiel 22, verse 23, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, say unto her, Thou art the land that's cleansed and reigned upon in the day of indignation. There's a conspiracy of her prophets in the midst thereof, like a roaring lion ravening the prey. They've devoured souls, and they've taken the treasure of precious things, and they've made her many widows in the midst thereof. Her priests have violated my law, have profaned my holy things. They put no difference between the holy and the profane, neither they've shown difference between the unclean and the clean. And have hid their eyes from my Sabbaths, and I'm profaned among them. Her princes in the midst thereof are like wolves ravening the prey, shed blood and destroy souls to get dishonor, uh, dishonest gain. Her prophets have daubed them with untempered mortar, seeing vanity, divining lies, saying, Thus saith the Lord God, when the Lord hath not spoken. The people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery and have vexed the poor and needy. Yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. Look at verse 30. And I sought for a man among them, that he should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it. Look at the four sad words, but I found none. Therefore, I poured out my indignation upon them. I've consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed on their heads saith the Lord. It is my conviction if we don't have an old-fashioned, heaven-sent, God-anointed revival in the United States of America, verse 31 may be the epitaph of this nation. Preaching a very important message tonight entitled God's Manhunt. I want you to listen with total attention. I'm going to ask you, please don't walk or talk. Don't go out unless you're absolutely sick. Counselors, you have been doing well. Help us tonight. God's Manhunt. Thank you very much. You may be seated. Now, before I pray, I want to ask you a question. Will you have an attitude of gratitude, as many of you have had all week, and will you make God this promise before I ever preach? You would say, God, if, God, if you show me any area of my life that's not dedicated, consecrated, surrender to you, if you show me that tonight, in this service tonight, this Friday night, I will dedicate, consecrate, and surrender that to you. That's my gratitude to you for what you have already done in my life. One more time, will you say tonight, God, if you show me any area of my life that's not dedicated, consecrated to you, I will tonight in this service dedicate, consecrate what you've already paid for to you. Let's bow our heads to pray. Every head bowed. Speaking to everybody in the building, whether you work here or not, how many of you would promise God, if God shows you any area of your life tonight, not dedicated, consecrated, surrender to him, you tonight in this service are willing with an attitude of gratitude to surrender, to dedicate, and give that area of your life to God. Now, don't raise your hand unless you're convinced that you're willing to do that. But if you are willing to do that, raise your hand with mine real high in the building. That's me. Now, dear Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name, you speak to every heart and every life, and we give you praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name, amen. God is looking for you. You heard me. I said, God is looking for you. If you've not been saved, God is looking to save you. Luke 19, 10, the Son of Man has come to seek 
and to save that which was lost. How do you get saved? You look to the one who's been looking to you. Isaiah 45, 22, look unto me and be saved all ye ends of the earth. I'm God and there's none else. If you get saved, you'll have to look away from the Pope and the sacraments and Mary and the church and the Baptists and the Pentecostals. You'll have to look away from baptism and focus only on Jesus Christ for your salvation. And he says in Isaiah 55, 6, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. There's a time you can't get this saved. There's a time you'll send away your day of grace. It could be tonight as God speaks to your heart, you tell him no one more time. He may take your no eternally. I was doing an area-wide meeting in Indiana some years ago. A sweet couple had been saved in a city in a church meeting that I had. They called me and said, please pray for, and they gave the man's name. They asked him to come Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. He refused to come. We closed on Wednesday. He refused to come and even cursed God. Interestingly enough, the next morning, he got up at 5 a.m. to go to work but never made it. He was broadsided by another truck thrown from his vehicle and his front tire smashed his skull. He needs God now, but it's too late. There'll be a time that you'll send away a day of grace. God is looking to save you, but God's also looking to use you. 1 Samuel 13, 14, God sought him a man after his own heart. 2 Chronicles 16, 9, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of all them whose heart is perfect towards him. Did you know the same God who sought and used the characters of the Bible wants to use you? Jonah 1, 1, the word of the Lord came unto Jonah saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Joel 1.1, 1, 1, the word of the Lord came unto Joel. Malachi 1.1, 1, 1, the word of the Lord came unto Malachi. New Testament, Acts chapter 13, when they prayed and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the ministry whereto I have called them. Think about it. Think about it. The God who doesn't have to have anybody wants to use you and wants you to be a useful service to, servant to impact people for Jesus Christ. You know, if you happen to be really good in football and one day five NFL teams are scouting you, you'd say, that's awesome. If you're interested in the business world and 10 Fortune 500 companies were scouting you to pay you mega bucks, you'd say, wow, would that be something? If you're interested in the United States military and all the academies want you to come and they want to make a leader, you'd be overwhelmed. Well, let me tell you something. If every military academy, if every Fortune 500 company, if every NFL team wanted to take you, that's nothing compared to the fact that God wants to use your life. In the book of Ezekiel, you have a man that becomes a prophet in 606 B.C. because of the sin of Israel. The Babylonians, the enemies, are allowed to occupy Jerusalem. They haven't destroyed the city yet, but it's going to happen by 597 B.C. There's been one exodus already where they sent slaves Aside in 606 with Daniel, 597, Ezekiel and others go into Babylon. In 592, Ezekiel is called to preach. What you're seeing tonight is why God destroyed Jerusalem, why the enemy was able to overcome. He explains in this passage of Scripture in verse 30, I sought for a man among them. I'm looking for somebody, he said, that he should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. In other words, there's an opportunity here. There's a chance. I, God, will have mercy, but they didn't want it. 
And he said, I found none. I hope tonight God will find you available. What kind of man is it that God can use? When God's looking for a man or woman, what kind is it? Well, I want you to notice, first of all, he said, I sought for a man among them. It means out from among them. It means somebody different. So number one, God's looking for a man or woman of distinction. Mark this down. If you're going to make a difference, you've got to be different. Say that with me. If you're going to make a difference, you've got to be different. Say it again. If you're going to make a difference, you've got to be different. And there must be a distinct choice. When you get saved, you will never get saved against your will. John 1, 12, but as many as received him to them gave me the power to become the sons of God. Romans 10, 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Your first choice in life is heaven or hell. If you go to hell, watch me, it'll be your fault and nobody else's. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But it's interesting, the first choice is heaven and hell. The second choice is heaven or here. You're going to have to decide if you want to be a conformer or a transformer. A conformer is pressured by the outside world. A transformer is pressured and changed by the inside world. You only have two choices. This is not multiple choice. It's not the price is right. You don't get four or five doors. Either there's heaven or hell when it comes to salvation. There is either surrender or stubbornness. There is either obeying God or doing it myself. In Exodus chapter 32 and verse 26, Moses drew a line. He said, who's on the Lord's side? Let him come over here. There are only two choices. In 1 Kings 18, 21, Elijah said, how long halt you between two opinions? The Lord be God, serve him. Baal, serve him. Two choices. In the book of Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15, Joshua said, if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, Choose you today whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose lands you dwell. And then he declared, but as me, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, some of you are having a hard time believing this. So listen carefully what I'm about to say. The decision you make tonight may affect your entire family in the future. If you were to come to 211 Kensington Road in Greensboro, North Carolina, where I was raised, my dad was a man of God. And at eye level on our front door so that everybody could see it, no matter who came, it read, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I thank God for a man as a young man that gave himself to Jesus Christ. His dad gave himself to Jesus Christ. I'm a product of some people that were not phony baloney. They were not issuing back and forth. They were not flip-flopping. They were firmly convinced they wanted God to use their lives. Matthew 6, 24 says, no man can serve two masters. He either hate one, love the other, hold the one, despise the other. You can't serve God and mammon. An Aramaic term for money and things money will buy. James chapter four and verse four, ye adulterers and adulteresses, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? The word enmity means hatred. Whoever will be the friend of the world is the enemy of God. Now, you're going to have a hard time with this one, but understand the teaching of the Bible. When the service is over tonight, if you walk out and you decide, I don't have anything to do with this surrender business, I'm going to live my own life, then you might as well just on the way out shake your fist at God and say, I'm your enemy and I hate you. Say, preacher, don't preacher me. That's exactly what James said. As a matter of fact, he called people who will love this world adulterers and adulteresses. Now, if you get married, you're supposed to be a one woman or one man individual. You're supposed to be married to that woman or use a woman married to that man and you're not supposed to be messing around. 
if you are married to someone and you have an affair with somebody else, you call that adultery. Did you realize that God says this? When you got saved, some of you have been saved this week. When you got saved, you got married to me. And if you decide you're going the way of the world for music and morals and philosophy and dress and uh, media, if that's what you're going to do, then God said, hey, you're an adulterer. Has there ever been a time and a place in your life as a child of God that you stepped across that line and gave all that you are to all that he is? You must have a distinct choice, and then there must be distinct conduct. If you go through the passage that I read starting in verse 23 all the way down to verse 29, you'll read about the prophets and the priests and the princes and the people. They all have one thing in common. They were unholy. They were full of themselves. They were full of sin. They didn't want anything to do with God. So God said, okay, you don't want me? I'll just back up and let the Babylonians have you. I'll just allow them to destroy your land. Now, young people, if God is going to use you there is one word that's going to have to summarize your life, and that is the word holy. Everybody say it with me. Holy. Say it again. Holy. It means separate. Leviticus 11.45, I'm the Lord that bringeth thee up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Here's what he said. Ye shall be holy, for I am holy. 1 Peter 1.16, be holy. Why? Because I'm holy. 1 Peter 2.9, you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Then you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness, out of darkness, and you are to rightly represent him. The Bible says in Hebrews 12.14, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Don't misquote me. If you're going to quote me, quote me accurately. I believe a Christian can backslide. We talked about that in the life of Lot. I believe that a, a Christian can get cold. I believe that he can be stubborn. I believe he can be disobedient. But when I'm through preaching tonight, if your mentality is this, I don't want anything to do with holiness. I don't want anything to do with surrender. I'm not interested in what God wants. You put this down in big highlights. You've never been saved by the grace of God. You see, if you ever get genuinely saved and the Holy Spirit comes in you, he comes in you to make you a holy person. You may struggle and stumble and fall, but when a person said, I have absolutely no desire whatsoever to be holy, you may have walked an aisle, but you've never met Jesus Christ. How many of you have ever seen a chameleon? Would you raise your hand? I was in Africa some years ago. We were on our way down to preach to the Maasai. Missionary said, hey, Pharaoh, look at this. I said, what? Oh, I said, man, is that? He said, yeah, that's a chameleon. And I'd heard about them, and when I was a kid, I saw one in a circus, but I'd never seen one out in the wild. I said, are these the ones that change colors? He said, yeah, watch this. So he picked it up, and the reason I didn't see it the first time is because the green vegetation, he blended in with the green. He took it and put it on a brown shirt, and I stood there for a few moments, and the skin color started turning brown. I said, man, that's all right. He took it off and put it down on a gray pair of pants, and it wasn't too long till the skin tone started turning a little gray. I said, man, lizards and technicolor, this is something else. I said, how does that work? He said, I have no idea. I got back home and I got in uh, on the internet and I began to research and I found out because of the contractible cells on their skin, the nervous system of this little creature that's basically defenseless is able to camouflage themselves. They can blend in with any surrounding so that they're not prey or eaten by somebody else. You say, that's pretty neat. It really is if you're a chameleon. 
but it stinks if you're a Christian. You see, young people, if you're going to have two kinds of music, the kind you want to be with the boys, and the other ones you're going to sing when you're in church, don't plan for God to use you. God doesn't use chameleons. You know, girls, you may think you can dress a couple of different ways. One, around God's people, and then you can go and get with the ungodly crowd and flash your flesh. That's up to you, but just don't ever plan for God to use you. God doesn't use chameleons. God uses champions. What's the difference? A champion has one color. You know what it is? True blue. So I want you to right now in your mind ask and answer this question. Has there ever been a time and a place that you crossed that line and you surrendered every ounce of what you are to the lordship of Jesus Christ? God can't use a man who's not usable. First of all, you must be a man or woman of distinction. But second, you notice he says that he might stand in the gap and make up the hedge. The word makeup means to wall up. He's, here's a person that's not only a man of distinction, but he's a man of determination. This guy's not coming for a temporary employment. This guy is coming all out for God for as long as God needs him. Proverbs 24.10 says, if you faint the day of adversity, strength is small. Proverbs 24.16 says, a just man will fall seven times. Hey, let me encourage you tonight. There's not an adult in this room that expects anybody here to never fail because every one of us at one time or another have failed. Bible says a good guy, just man, will fall seven times, but he'll rise again. Here's my translation of that verse. Don't give up, get up. Say it with me. Don't give up, get up. Say it again. Don't give up, get up. You go home and you have your devotions for five days, miss it day six. Dear God, my fault, take full responsibility. Don't give up, get up. You go home, you get rid of the stinking music that's ruining your mind, and you start putting good music in. Somebody comes by and says, listen to this one. You say, I blew it. Doesn't mean that God's not gonna use you. Say it with me. Don't give up, get up. Say it again. Don't give up, get up. Luke 9, 62, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You gotta make up your mind with total resolve that you do, you do what you sang tonight, you have decided to follow Jesus. In Philippians chapter three and verse 14, Paul said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul was always moving forward. In Acts chapter 20, they came to him and said, now Paul, you go to Jerusalem, they'll probably bind you and kill you. He said in verse 24, none of these things move me, neither do I count my life dear unto myself, that I may finish my course with joy. Get it. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. How many of you in this building like professional football? Would you raise your hand? I think football's the reason God made TV, amen. 22 guys in a cow pasture chasing a pigskin through plumbing, nothing like watching it. And I really enjoy football. We lived in Kansas City for a long time and we're Chiefs fans. Many years ago, the Cleveland Browns had a fellow that was a running back named Jimmy Brown. I think he still has some records that have not been broken. He was like a freight train. When he got the ball and put his head down, it took two guys, sometimes three and even four guys to bring him to his knees because he was on the move. Now he had a tradition. He was usually the last one out of the pack. He'd get up slowly, walk back slowly, be the last guy back in the huddle. He did it time and time and time again. Sportscaster came to him one day and said, Jimmy, Seems like to us, we've been watching you do the same thing every time. You're the last one up. You walk back slowly. You're the last guy back to the huddle. Why do you do that? Well, he said, I don't want anybody to know when I get hurt. 
They said, what? He said, you guys got to understand something. If I get up and I grab my knee, the next time I carry the ball, those guys will hit me at the knee. He said, if I get up and grab my back, the next time I carry the ball, they'll hit me. See, NFL players love each other, right? You got that? He said, if I'm in ecstasy, I get up slowly and walk back slowly. He said, I'm in my agony, I get up slowly and walk back slowly because I don't want anybody to know when I get hurt. Man, if we could get people in the church of Jesus Christ to stop moping and complaining and crying and quit being wimps and start being warriors, we could take some turf back from the devil. I was reading just the other day about Captain David Roselle. He was in Iraq. They ran over a landmine. It blew off his foot and part of his leg. He came back to the United States. They gave him a prothesis, and he decided he was going to run in the New York Marathon, and he did. Later, he went to Hawaii and did the Iron Man competition. I mean, it takes a man's man to do that. He re-upped, and they sent him back for two more tours to Iraq. He's the only man, as far as I know, that's ever done that, and everybody said he was a hero. He looked at them and said these words, I couldn't imagine doing anything else. You see, he didn't wimp out and say, okay, I lost my leg. He said, they'll put a, a fake one down there. I'll learn again how to walk, and I'm going to move forward because I love America. A number of years ago, I was preaching in Asheville, North Carolina, and we had a couple of men called to preach. Some months later, it was a week before New Year's. The pastor called me. He said, are you and your wife busy on New Year's Eve? I said, no. And I thought he wanted me to come preach. And he said, now, I don't want to offend you, but he said, I'd like for you and your wife to come be our guest and not preach because I, there's two of the men on New Year's Eve. They're going to preach short messages. And there's a third guy. Do you think you could come? I said, sure, we'd love to come. And so my wife and I got in the car and we went over to Asheville and we sat down and after they introduced us, they got uh, the first man up and I remembered him. I remember the night he surrendered to preach and I thought, glory to God, hey, God's going to use him. Second guy got up, he started preaching. I said, hallelujah, God's going to use him. But I never had met the third guy. Third guy got up and he grabbed both sides of the pulpit and he started like this, turn, turn, turn your Bible, please, to the book, book, book. And he stuttered like crazy. In fact, I thought maybe he was doing something as a joke to kind of get us in, but it wasn't. It was reality. He said he's going to preach, and he stuttered. Yeah, the only time he didn't stutter is when he read the Bible. Never miss a word. And he'd say something like this, Jesus died on the cross for you so that you could be saved. I turned to my wife. I said, baby, give me a piece of paper. If this boy's going to work this hard to get this out and preach as a stuttering preacher, I'm going to write down what he says. I wrote down his outline. He came to the end. People were listening with bated breath. Here's a young man, shouldn't have even tried, but he knew God had called him to preach. And when he finished, I wrote down what he said. I'd heard it before, came from the French Foreign Legion, didn't mean much when I read it then. It meant a whole lot when that young man finished preaching because he said this, if, if, if I falter, push me on. If, if, if I fall, pick, pick me up. But if, if I ever quit, shoot me, amen, and sit down. And tears rolled down my cheeks, and I said to my wife, God's going to use that young man. I told that story about five or six years ago over in that same area. A fellow walked up to me, and he said, I know who he is. I said, you do? He said, his name is. He pastors about an hour from here, and he doesn't stutter at all. Wow. 
You know what that young man said? I may not have as much talent as you have, but I can be a man of determination. I may not be as smart and as sharp as you are, but I can be a man of determination. Now, young people, I'm not preaching one of these Friday night services, so let's all make a decision and then throw it all away in 48 hours. If that's what you want to do, just keep your seat and suck your thumb. I'm not even talking to you. I'm talking to people tonight who want to resolve by the grace of God and his power and his Holy Spirit that you're going to get in this and you're not going to fit society, but you're going to fight society. You're not going to try to be Mr. Popular. You're going to be a principled individual and you're going to be a man or woman for the land. This man that God was looking for was a man of distinction. Are you? A man of determination, are you? And then finally, I want you to notice in the passage, he said that he should make up the hedge and stand in the gap. Watch these next two words, before me for the land. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Southland Podcast. May the message you've just heard be truth that transforms your heart and life. Christ loves you and wants you to grow in his grace through salvation and sanctification. If you've never placed your faith and trust in the finished work of Christ, we'd love to talk to you personally. Please give us a call at 318-894-9154 or shoot me an email at mherbster at southlandcamp.org. Christ has promised eternal life and a life worth living if you will only believe in Him. May the Lord bless you in your pursuit of Christ-like living. Tune in next time right here for another message on the Southland Podcast.